You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 257th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 852nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 14th, 2022. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. This week's banner moment is simply a a midsummer reflection of how much better this Indiana basketball program is in just over one year under Mike Woodson. The recent interviews with the freshmen have reminded us that this roster is better and ready to win. This roster will be deep and can handle... uh, any kind of situations, fouling situations, possible injuries that will happen throughout the course of the season. We also continue to see Indiana involved with top-level talent on the AAU circuit. The summer is slow when it comes to news about basketball. Uh, All we can do is wonder about the upcoming uh, season, Uh, but this summer it feels a little bit different. Uh, We're excited about some non-conference games this year. If you're like me, you've already checked on flights to Kansas City, Las Vegas, uh, maybe even checked for ticket prices uh, to the North Carolina game at Assembly Hall. Uh, Not sure we want to uh, shout to the hills that Indiana, quote, is back quite yet. Uh, That has to wait until winning on the court is a regular occurrence, but it sure feels a lot better discussing the program this summer than it has in past summers. Okay, let me introduce my co-host this week. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, your Padres are in a little bit of a swoon. Uh, following you on Twitter and watching them uh, on the MLB ticket, um, What's your rant today? You want to go Padres, or is there anything with Indiana that you want to talk about uh, early on tonight? I will spare you my Padres rant. You can just follow me on Twitter for all of those. But, you know, it's bad, guys. It's bad. Um, no, I, I was thinking today, uh, you know, uh, Inside the Hall had a great article written by um, – it was Tyler Talkman about uh, Malik Renault and, and about his development on campus and, and what he's trying to do. And, and I think there were some – uh, things in there that will make Indiana fans happy. First off is that he's working on a jump shot. He's trying to expand his game. He's playing more at the four than the five early on uh, and, and really trying to work on defensively being able to guard one through five. I think that means they're going to want to switch him a lot. Um, and and just the fact that he's really trying to work on expanding his game outside of just the post. Because I think a lot of people, when he side, it was kind of like, well, he's going to be the TJD replacement in the post for that because he didn't really do a whole lot outside of the post. If you watch his high school film, he can shoot free throws, but he was not much of a jump shot guy because, Mont, let's be real, Montverde is so good. They don't need him to do everything. They needed him to be, fill a very specific role as they rolled the two national championships. So 
I think that's an interesting article. I'd recommend anybody go read it. Uh, it's got some of his teammates. It's got Race Thompson specifically talking about how he's impressed he's been, uh, talking about you know the development of his body and what he wants to do moving forward and, and how he wants to play. So very interesting article. I liked it a lot and just another reason to like Malik Renault and 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 what he's going to bring to the team. Uh, and and I think you know he's going to certainly be in that in that bench rotation as soon as the season starts. The media availability of the freshman has been fun to watch here the last two or three weeks. And then Jared's interview uh, with Tamar Bates and having the, the freshman, I think that's added a little bit uh, to this summer um, flavor, a little bit of Indiana basketball. Okay, here's what we have in store this week. <clears throat> segment one is going to be some Hoosier headlines. Uh, segment two, uh, Ryan and I are going to break down some on-court strategy that we think need a little tweaking maybe uh, next season. Uh, in segment three, we have some good questions uh, from our community members. We'll try to answer them. Uh, all of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. And now let's talk about our presenting sponsor. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, with beloved logos like the two different versions of the Bison, including a new print that came out just recently, uh, and a pennant. So get yours while supplies last. Homefield also has something for fans and grads of other schools, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know that it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, some uh, Hoosier headlines. The the non-conference schedule, we knew a lot about it, but now that there are dates, times will be uh, determined later, and the first two games, first regular season game will be November 7th against Moorhead State, followed by a game against uh, Beth- Bethune-Cookman, and, and then you'll start seeing Indiana playing uh, some different teams, including Xavier, Arizona, Kansas. Uh, but the schedule is set, so put it on your calendar. Update your calendar for those dates, either to attend one of those games at Assembly Hall or to watch at home and then tune in uh, to our show afterwards. But the dates have been set. Ryan and I were talking before the show. We're, we're kind of excited about seeing the uh, Big Ten schedule, how many games away in a row, uh, what kind of flavor early in December, those types of things we have here uh, coming up yet in the late summer or early fall uh, to talk about the entire schedule. Uh, a couple other notes. Indiana Athletics announces it's going to go to non, all non-cash payments for ticketing and concessions at all of the major venues, so be prepared for that if you're going to be in Bloomington um, to uh, buy some uh, concessions and ticketing. Uh, the Doing the Work podcast on the women's basketball program out um just recently with the new episode, check that out. They're doing uh, good work. Uh, and then we mentioned this earlier, uh, the media availability today uh, was Malik Renault, uh, CJ Gunn, Caleb Banks, Jalen Hood, Shafino. All of those uh, guys have been made available. With the, Also with Jared's interview, uh, we have a good question I'm going to come back to here in just a second. 
dealing with those interviews. And then Bob Kravitz wrote an interesting article in The Athletic um, talking to some former players about the coaches since uh, Coach Knight uh, was let go. And there are some interesting quotes in that. I do, if you have a subscription to The Athletic, I suggest um, definitely going and finding that article. Uh, there, there are some really good things in that article. Um, but, Ryan, I want to first go back to um, – you know, follow up on, on your comments on Malik uh, Renault and Valerie Elliott uh, had this question for us tonight. She said, I believe all the freshmen have had media interviews. Did anything stick out that impressed you? You talked today about Malik Renault. Um, in general, how, what can we take from these interviews? I know there, there's not much until you see him play that November 7th and can he evaluate sure. their play and, and, and talk is talk, but what kind of things in today's interview and, and some of the things, quotes from the previous interviews, can we tell uh, about this class? Well, I, it seems like there aren't defined roles, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that the, the, the attitude seems to be prove what you can do and we'll find a role for you as opposed to, hey, I'm coming in. I'm going to be they're telling me I'm going to be a bench guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's sort of come in, get better and prove what you can do and where you belong on this team. And, and Indiana can afford to do that right now because of the guys coming back. And I don't think it's had that situation in a while where you have established guys who are not just have been here, but actually have had success here. And so I think that means that the freshmen truly have to earn their way and truly have to earn their spots. And it feels like that's sort of the way this program is trending is going to be guys sticking around and getting, you know, and, and then that means the new guys are not expected to be superstars from day one. And it's been a while since that's happened uh, consistently in Indiana. And I think that's the kind of program Mike Woodson wants to build. Yeah, and I, I agree with you that the common theme was there, you know, and it, again, it's summer. They're kind of instructed on what to say in these media uh, interviews uh, if Indiana's doing a good job. But they all talked about that development, whether it's shooting – shooting from outside, like you mentioned with Malik, uh, CJ Gunn and, and Caleb, and they all talked about getting to know the defensive principles. So they know they're open and listening uh, to what's going on, on on court and in the locker room as far as how they have to develop. And I think, again, if we can read something into uh, what we're seeing in these interviews, they're all ready to go in and be developed. Uh, there, there's not any, look at me, I'm here, I'm going to, you know, shine regardless uh, they all kind of understand their role and i think that's a good point that that you made is that they're coming in um ready ready to compete uh, all of those can be found on inside the hall i do suggest you go back and and listen uh to to those interviews if you haven't already uh it's just good and that's what led me to the banner moment is listening to those again today getting ready for the show these guys are ready to compete and and this roster ryan is deeper and that competition is going to make Indiana better. It's going to make everyone better. And then who wins that playing time has to keep that. And then we're there for those that depth in case of injury and, and things of that nature. Um, so let's go to the Bob Kravitz article here as we end, um, end our first segment. Uh, there were several quotes in there, but I'm going to pull one and, and share some major takeaways. And Ryan, uh, get your point on, on, on my position if you agree or disagree. But um, Joel Hillman said something that I, I totally agree with 
and they said they did everything with an eye towards getting away from the things that Bob Knight was about. Style of play, demand of excellence, pride in what was going on, and the mental toughness and ability to overcome things. And I, and there was much more in the article, but that summed up a lot of the quotes from Brian Evans and and, and Jared Jeffries were, were quoted in the article as well. But I do think now, looking back over it, that they tried to move away from that with their coaching selections and styles, and it backfired um, on the program for a long time. And that's where Coach Woodson has come in, and he is just relaxed with who he is. And Indiana is um, a very you know important program that's not just coaching basketball. It is it is the community, it is the alums, it is the former players. Um, so the the uniqueness of the job was known by me before this article, but this article just kind of um, opened my eyes again to that. And that's again where I think Coach Woodson is doing a really good job, is trying to be the best coach he can be on the court. And we'll talk about that in segment two, but he's also doing a lot of the other things that obviously Archie Miller struggled with. Tom Crean did a little bit of it trying to get people together, but he just kind of wore out his welcome. And then Davis wasn't ready for the show and Samson was Samson. So uh, it was an interesting article. Your thoughts on, uh, we've talked about this a lot on the show in the last four or five years, but Mike Woodson has seemed to come in and kind of get it back on track, uh, at least off the, off the court. And we got to the NCAA tournament. So things are, have been going well. Yeah. I think that the thing about Mike Woodson that hasn't really been true of the coaches that have followed Bob Knight is he's very comfortable in his own skin. Yes. He doesn't feel like he has anything to prove to anybody. He's been an NBA head coach. Uh, you know, that, that is the highest level that you can coach at. And I have felt like with Mike Davis, he was a wonderful man. I, I got, I covered Mike Davis very closely for a little bit he could not have been a nicer human being, but he wasn't of the skill level as a coach to coach at Indiana. Um, Samson, I felt like is, was, and is still chasing something. I don't know what it is, but he's chasing something and, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And that's not always the best recipe when you're playing, when you're coaching college basketball, because there are rules in place. Uh, Tom Crean, I felt like was not comfortable. He could recruit, but I did not feel like he was ever comfortable in his own skin. And he was always, again, trying to constantly prove that things were good and he was doing right. Great. And he was worthy of the job. And then Archie Miller, I feel like is constantly was trying to prove that his system was correct, regardless of the evidence that everything he was doing was fine. It wasn't that it was guys not making shots or guys doing this or guys doing that. It's not him. He's fine. Mike Woodson's come in and just said, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to win. And at no point, does it seem like he's ever second guessed who he is and whether that'll work out in the end? I don't know. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen over the next couple years. I mean, that last year finished great, but there were times in the middle of last year where we were all like, this experiment does not look like it's going to work um, because of, you know, it, his system, his, the things he was doing just did not fit the college game. Um, he turned some things around late. Hopefully it wasn't just a crazy win streak at the end that, 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 that made it clean up what was really a, a kind of an underwhelming season. Um, but I will say that, that there are two things that, that Mike Woodson has done since the second he set on campus. He's established that he's here and believes he belongs to be here and doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. And the second is he has made his players 
He believes in his players and he has made them start to believe in themselves. Those are the two things he's done. You know, there are quibbles with in-game adjustments. There's quibbles with in-game coaching. There's quibbles with playing style. There's quibbles with all of that stuff. Maybe some of the rotations, his substitutions, decisions, all of that. There are questions with. There's no questioning what he's done behind the scenes in that way and getting these kids to understand that he believes in them. And if they do what they're supposed to do, he thinks they can succeed. And so that's not always the case. And, and it seems like a simple thing, but it's something he has done exceptionally well and has those kids, a lot of them, has made them better. And they're believing in themselves. And that was not the case under the last staff. So those are the things that, to me, feel are different. I don't, I don't look at him and be like, oh, he's doing what Bob Knight does. It's, a, it's, it's so far in the past what they're doing is not similar at all. I mean, he's from the night tree, I guess you would say, but I don't look at them as 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 one A and one B or analogous in any way. It's just he's a guy who I think feels he he belongs in this job and feels comfortable in having this job and isn't chasing it. Yes, he has it. That was the thing about Crean. I felt like Crean and Archie Miller were both chasing the job once they had it. It's like you guys have the job. Yeah. Now go do something with it. Don't constantly look at us like you're trying to prove that you deserve it. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point about feeling comfortable in your own skin. Archie just wanted to coach basketball, and, and he failed to realize that you you got to be an ambassador to the program, and, and that communication I think was is was and is an important part to building your team. Uh, and, and Tom Crean was was always trying to prove that he belonged, uh, and, and never really was comfortable and overworked people and, and all of that. And take it back to coach Woodson. He is very comfortable in who he is. And he, he was that way with the discipline in Northwestern. He, he's that way with, you know, trying to uh, recruit the way he does and all of these things. And I really think that works. And, and my, my thought after reading that article was, you know, it, it's not that he's necessarily an Indiana guy, but he has great leadership because he is comfortable in who he is and he's doing the job the best that he knows how. And, and with the, with the excellent communication, I think with players and with recruits and families, I think that only bodes well, um, going forward. And so that leads us to our, our second, um, segment here where we're going to take a look at some of the on-court suggestions. If we were on staff, uh, that we would share with, uh, coach Woodson, um, next season. So uh, that uh, will be coming up here on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, so stick with us. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? 
more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Ryan Phillips. And uh, we both think that uh, we're playing that intro again. For some reason, so good we had to do it. Again. We had to do it twice. Um, but we both think that uh, Coach Woodson's doing a lot of good things off the court. We think he did some good things on the court, but there are a few uh, topics that uh, I think all fans uh, would like to discuss or or have a say so in, in what we're doing. We're going to break it down for you here. Uh, what we might suggest offensively, uh, defensively, and then a little bit about uh, rotation and substitution patterns have have been some hot topics throughout the first season under Coach Woodson. So. Um, obviously Ryan, the offensive efficiency numbers weren't very good, uh, last year overall, they jumped up in the second half of the season. We saw some people come in and advise coach Woodson, the play got better, um, uh, as the season went on, especially on that late run, uh, as you mentioned that winning streak, uh, late, but I, I have a, a couple points that I want to get your opinion on first is, um, what? How does he implement TJD in the post differently than what we saw last year? We saw a lot of post-ups early and, and continuously through the season. Later on, we saw a little bit more uh, putting TJD on the move, especially in the Big Ten tournament. I think that's an area that the staff had to look at and watch film and come up with a, a theory about how best to implement Trace Jackson Davis. Are they going to allow him to pick and pop and do some things? What tweak would you make there in the implementation of TJD's use? I would use more like, you know, they started using, they used pick and roll a lot last year. What I would do is, is sort of a pick and pop to the free throw line. Um, and, and then because if TJD gets the ball there, he doesn't necessarily have to shoot it. He can make that shot sometimes, but I think he works well faced up from there because of his quickness and his length. If he turns the corner on guys, he can get to the hoop really easily. I'd like to see more of that uh, as opposed to just passing it to him in the high post, I'd like to get him in motion off the screen and pop there and, and then get the ball. And maybe he's got a smaller guy on him at that point, or his guy is maybe a half step late because he has to recover off the screen. Uh, I think that might be a better way to utilize that play as opposed to just rolling every single time. Because if you roll every single time, especially with this team shooting woes, the, the 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 rotation guy can just help all the way off of it somebody beyond the three-point line stand in the paint make that you know muddle up that pass and the only open guy is a three-point shooter who may not be able to hit three-pointers this year so I would like to see them spread that a little bit more towards the free throw line sort of have him live there a little bit more um but that's that's all I can think of I mean they are going to give him straight post-ups this year they just are and and you know it's gonna be part of the offense the key is his ability to kick out and the the, the, the guys who get the kicks, their ability to knock down shots. The straight post-up would work if they're going to go double-team hard and our shooters 
would be able to hit shots. That would be okay to throw the ball in and just have him turn and post. I think he's better getting screened into the post. Um, yeah, you're still going to enter it into the low post, but it's after a diagonal back screen or a cross screen or something of that nature to try to get him a better angle. It seems at times he tried to go up over and through people, and that's when he struggled sometimes in scoring when he didn't get around someone uh, who was either bigger or equally as uh, athletic as, as he is. So I think him on the move, your pick and pop thing is exactly what I would do to get him the ball at the elbow. I like having him catch at the elbow. How you get it there off the pick and pop or a straight flash is one thing. But I do think they put him on the move a little bit more in the Big Ten tournament uh, starting that Michigan game. And I thought that that really um, that really played out. I, I think just dribbling down and having him turn around in the post and throw and everyone stand in space, that's when Indiana's offense kind of struggled. It won't if the shooting – happens, which brings me to my question number two for you is how are you going to get shooter shots? Obviously the high pick and roll with the guys in the corner and spacing, you're trying to draw uh, people off of shooters. Same with the double team into the post, but would you stay with a lot of pick and roll drive and kick, or would you try to do uh, uh, some, some sort of set to get shooters in motion? How would you tweak that uh, if you were uh, to, to have a chance to suggest something to coach Woodson? Coach, you and I beat this to death during the season. You've got to run sets for moving shooters. You have to. And Coach Woodson said that he likes, you know, standing shooters. And and I, you and I almost erupted when he said that because the way to get shooters open is to move them. Watch any – go to YouTube and watch highlights of Ray Allen or Reggie Miller or, or good, you know, look at how much they move before they even touch the ball. And they get open. And good shooters get open, plant their feet, and shoot. And, it, and it's – and also the thing is that when you run sets for shooters, it opens the whole offense up because people have to help out. They have to run out to them, and that opens maybe the guy who screened for him can open up, and he's got something inside as opposed to the guy outside because two guys run after the shooter. You get When they ran sets for shooters, I felt like they worked last year. I mean, not, not every time, not every play is going to be successful. Sometimes guys you know, don't cut the right way or miss, miss their spots or whatever, or the defense just plays it really well. But I feel like the more they ran sets for shooters – the better they did offensively. And because if you run one of those, you can also dummy one of those and use it to get TJD a pass inside. You can use it to get Race Thompson something at the free throw line. You can use it to, you know, spread things out in the middle of the floor for your point guard and let him go one-on-one. I mean, there's so much you can do when you're working to get shooters open. And they the shooter doesn't even have to make the shot for it to work. So that's obviously what I think they should do. A lot more pin downs, a lot more cross sets across the across the lane, and then maybe you know circle back and then cut back to where he originally was. I mean, you, there are so many ways to do that, and and I just felt like that was one thing that was lacking. You would see repeatedly last year, and I hammered this to death on Twitter. The two wing guys, it was it was Cop and Parker Stewart, would come up, get on the wing, and just stay there for the entire offensive possession. Wouldn't move, you know. They they'd shade a little bit up and back but wouldn't cross sides, wouldn't cut through. Nobody would set a screen for him, anything. They would just wind up on the same side for the entire possession. And I don't think that's winning basketball offensively. I think everybody has to be in motion for you to win. And, and you know, what you talked about with the guards cutting underneath and coming off pin screens, we call that floppy action. I think that's good. We talked about it last year. They got better after that Wisconsin game because I thought they were running more sets. 
Um, and they, and, and not only just to get shooters open because Tony did a good thing that, that cop and those guys were better as set shooters than coming off the move. Then I think you just got to get better shooters. Cause I just think coming off the move in sets is, is where, where you need to be. But I also think that that comes up to kind of the next thing is I think early on in the season, he wanted the point guard to call the action. There were several times that comments after the Penn State that were confusing about they didn't know they were in zone, and, and then it was confusing later uh, when when he said something after the Illinois loss that he didn't know what they were running unless he called the game. I think Coach Woodson realized that in college you need to have your thumb on the offense a little bit more than in the pros where you could have a conversation in a meeting room with an all-star point guard and he can go out and run. No, I want to get this guy this shot. I want to get this guy this shot. I think that might be too much um, overall uh, to do that because the coach has got to know when to run stuff. And I think Coach Woodson did that at the back end. So my tweak would be more of what you did in the second half or the last third of the season along those lines of – you got to run sets. There's times to run pick and roll. And I like it, Ryan. Just the third question here is pace of play. You know, run your high pick and roll off the break, and that's when you can spot your shooters or uh, a fast break into the post uh, without calling a set. But there are times, key times, where you need to get shooters in a rhythm, get them a good shot, where I agree totally. And we've talked about it forever about sets. So the last thing is pace of play. They talked about uh, in some of these media availabilities where Race is able to get the rebound and go out on a break. Caleb, Malik, I think, mentioned might have mentioned that too. You are going to have lots of guards with uh, Hood Shafino and that. You could have two point guards, so it doesn't have to go to X right away. Do you think uh, Indiana needs to play faster in transition uh, next season? Yes. Absolutely. I think you need to get cheap baskets where you can, and and, and a lot of times that's getting up and down the floor. And, you know, one thing I would say is um, a lot of this relies on the big men. And I know that Indiana's big men have huge rebounding responsibilities because the guards weren't great rebounders last year. But I remember, I, I've said it repeatedly. If you are, a, you have a kid in high school and he's a big man, just tell him to run the floor. You know, even, even more important than blocking shots, just tell him to run the floor. Because guess what? You're going to get between six to 10 extra points a game just beating everybody down the floor. If, if they got a point guard that even looks up at all. So I, I think that they need to get that. They need either race or, or TJD to be running the floor. And those guys do run the floor. The problem is they're usually so deep because they're having to be the rebounding backbone. But if they're not and they can get out, I think they can score points. Cody Zeller made a living doing that in high school and in college. Um, so, yeah, I think they need to run. I think they need to get it up the floor. I think having Jalen hood is going to help with that. I think maybe taking the shackles off Xavier as far as, you know, his ability to run the break. You know, I think he earned that trust late in the season. So let him go. And the other thing is, is that running, you know, getting up and down the floor helps when you have shooters to trail the play. Because if you don't get anything at the rim, you can find a shooter, you know, trailing to knock something down and get an easy basket. And, and so I think that is really important for this team is to find somebody who can consistently knock down shots because that helps it. We've, we've harped on it and it seems like we hit it all the time, but shooting changes everything. Being able to knock down shots changes everything. It changes the entire makeup of the offense. It changes spacing. It changes confidence. Like 
a three-pointer can change momentum even more than a big dunk because you get three points out of it. You know, I mean, like you get extra points. Another team's on a run. You knock down a three, that run stops. The momentum's back with you. I think that it's just – and then again, on the break and things like that, that's how you find the open guy. That's how – I mean, and defenses have to respect it so they can't all collapse. It's It's fun to watch, important. and it's it fun is. to play. It's, it is. It's fun it to is. play. It's fun to watch. A, a dagger three off one pass uh, drive into the lane, kick out for a three is a dagger, which could set your defense up. I mean, um, and I thought they tried to do that a little bit again. I just, I would keep emphasizing that these are tweaks. These aren't like total overhauls, but push the ball. And you have depth now, too, if you wanted to play at a different pace where you can limit uh, guys' minutes. So the other thing that I would suggest is use TJD as a screener. Set some flare screens, set some mm-hmm. corner uh, down screens, and then make them have to guard a curl or a pop cut for your for a shooter, and then roll them to the basket a, a little bit. I would use TJD more uh, as a screener into the post and then move into the post part of that, getting them off the move. So let's go to defense. Defense was really good. I thought that was probably the best on-court thing that Coach Woodson did. I thought there were times when Indiana was just dominant uh, defensively. So I don't know that there's really a whole lot to change. But I'm going to add ask this question question we have some depth uh we have athletes you're getting six five six 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 seven guys in long length do you think that indiana needs to add pressures or pickup points i know they like to pick up full court court and eat some clock last year under woodson's philosophy i kind of like that as the season went on but do you think that um there could be some added pressure more denial more trying to get steals because there could be fouls and the exertion out there do you think they should add more pressure uh full court defense maybe at times i i think it's really depends on the situation of the game i don't want to see it all game um but i think that at times when maybe you're pressing an advantage you know or, or you, you're you're extending a lead you're a little bit on a run put pressure on the other team make them make a play the one problem is it stretches you out and right. if you are playing well and you are playing good defense and you're stretching yourself out, you're giving them other opportunities. And so I think it's a really delicate balance. You have to pick your moments and you have to pick the teams you're playing against and the point guards you're playing against. And, you know, so I think that it would be a game by game thing, but I would really like to see some more aggressiveness as long as it doesn't lead to fouling, because we don't need right. to put other teams on the line more than we, we, we do. And so it's a delicate, delicate balance. I think I loved the defense last year. Um, I think maybe if you're in a rut in the game, you can do that to try and change the momentum or if you're up to press your advantage, but I don't think it needs to be the backbone of what they do. I, you know, you, you make a really good point about pressing teams. Are you also good in the half court? Cause when you're yeah. playing helter skelter and trying to run and steal things, sometimes you lose your principles in the, in the half court. That would be a concern of mine. I just think that you could see, you know, they picked up full court to eat clock. I do think with hood Shafino and if CJ gun earned some time and banks and these guys come in for their time, you may see a little bit more uh, than what he did last year. And then the other thing that I came up with is the pick and roll is and, and the drive and, and kick is a part of college basketball. And so that defense always needs to involve, uh, evolve every year and, and get better. Any thoughts on on what Indiana could do um, with, with their bigs in pick and roll? Any any type of pick and roll defense you like better than others? No, I mean, I, I think it's just a matter of lateral quickness. They need to be consistent with that. I also think that having fresher bodies this year will help with all of this. And the fact that they're deeper – 
will lead to help with all that. There's a reason why when Jordan Geronimo came on the floor last year, he didn't play that much. When he came on the floor, he's fresher than everybody and looked like I have an extra bounce and everything than everybody. There's a reason he was fresh. You know, I mean, his he, he hadn't been used. And so having that deeper bench will help with this tremendously, I think, and, and, and the ability to not only get side to side, but go up and down the court as well. And to, you know, attack on both ends of the floor, just because you won't be playing your starters 35 minutes a game. I mean, you don't have to anymore. And, and you certainly shouldn't. Yeah, it, it is. It is a hard action to guard because if it's run well, you're going to have a pick and pop a roll. You got a tag guy, you throw it across the court. It's just difficult, but I think that's something to watch how he's going to continue to play uh, the pick and roll. I, I just say more, more of what you did last year, coach Woodson, because defense kept us in, in basketball games. We have better talent now to continue to play the coach Woodson defense. I think, uh, and so I think it's going to get better without many tweaks just by having more depth and, 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 and better players. But the next question comes from your substitution, uh, mass substitution. Is that, <laughs> I'm kind of loading you up here today. You're welcome. Never again. Yes. Please. So, so let me, I think we're all in agreement uh, to that. So let, let me ask you this though, you know, some coaches like to have a set time rotation, not five at a time, but at the 17 minute mark, these two guys are going in at the 14 minute mark, then two more guys are coming in. And then at the, you know, I think there's some negatives to that. And I think there's some positives to that. If he doesn't want to go the, if we don't want him to do the mass sub stuff, I could see suggesting maybe going to set, you know, work on a set time rotation so you know the minutes you're getting. Obviously, fouls, someone on a hot streak would change that time period up. Would you be okay with that or not? I think every game's different, so it's hard to do that. Um, but what I would do is cascade subs and make sure you have at least one starter on the floor at all times. And I, I, I would also make sure at times that you've got race Thompson or trace Jackson Davis on the floor at all times. Like one of them, unless there's foul trouble, I don't see a reason for both of them to be off the floor at the same time. Um, and then I think that you need to have Xavier Johnson or Jalen hood Trevino on the floor at all times to run the point. And I think you need a shooter on the floor at all times, whether it be Miller cop or Tamar Bates or whatever. So you need to, you need to be able, instead of just doing these line changes and let the second unit run by itself, they do that in the NBA. That is what they do in the NBA. And that is where Mike Woodson came from. And it was disastrous last year. You need those, those starters in the game at some point. And there's a reason they're starting. And so, yeah, I would really like to see the patterns be, you know, cascading guys out and phasing them back in as others go out just to keep, you know, some semblance of flow. Now, if you're up 15 and you can steal minutes with backups, Fine, do it. But in general, in the middle of the Big Ten season, I have a real hard time seeing you put all five backups in. I know they're going to be better this year, but I have a real hard time seeing a full sub lineup doing yeah. damage against a Big Ten team. Jack in the in the chat makes a really good point. At least this year, the, the second five should be better if he wants to do that. The reason I brought up the set time rotation is because I do think that happens in the pros a, a little bit too, that, you know, at this point they replace Starters this go person. Out at the 10 minute mark at the yeah. first and come and, back in at the six. But they, they cascaded the a little bit until they have the second five in through the first or second quarter. And then they, yeah. you know, so there's some cascading uh, of lineups there until they get to the second unit plays together for a while. And then they bring people back in. Uh, and, and, 
you know, so I'm not a big set time rotation guy as a coach. I like to have the feel. You know, someone's uh, on a run, and, and I think the problem is that it disrupts the flow. I, I think your better players need flow. Uh, they need to play with, with certain people. I think your subs need to play with some of the better people uh, as well. That's why I, I would you do the cascading, as you call it, uh, as well. But the set time rotation, the positive part of that, Ryan, though, is the players know their role and they know that they're basically going to get in at a certain time. It keeps people fresh, and when you have uh, you know, a, a lot of players you need to get in there, you can communicate to them, here's your set amount of time. There is a positive to the set time rotation. But I'd rather just go by feel. Uh, a lot of comments saying every game's different coaching that's that's and that's a skill then to know in this game we can do this and the next game we can do that I prefer that um uh, rather than the mass subs and the the set rotation I agree and and look again you're right there is a feel to games like if you start putting in backups and a couple guys get really hot and you have to bring in some other guys so you leave those guys like that's different I'm talking about the line changes right you know where you're just I don't three like guys that. where you get, you know, TJD arrest and then you're pulling Xavier out and then you bring three other guys in on the next stoppage and it's five backups. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I, I think that the substitution should come in waves and I think that they should, you should keep your guys fresh. But I also think that, that you need to be cognizant of the fact that freshmen playing freshmen and sophomores playing by themselves in the big 10 without a guiding hand. That's a starter. That's a regular, that's an impact player is very difficult. Yeah, and and you're talking about consistently consistency with those guys too. Some games they may play yeah. well and build a lead by eight, and other games they could, you know, you you want. I just saw. I thought like Tamar last year would play better when they're double teaming TJD, and then he can spot up and shoot to three, and he instead of having to try to get you know points on on his own. So in honor of Jared's birthday, I had to bring this question up: With the depth, can you auto bench more? Because with the two fouls in the first half, because you have guys who can go in and play at a higher level. The two foul, the two auto, foul bench, auto bench. Yeah, I think you feel a lot safer with that these days, uh, with, with this depth. I think you really do. I think you feel you feel better about all sorts of decisions to bench people with this depth, and the auto yeah. bench is right there. I mean, it, it, it of course. And um, Jared's going to hate it, but <laughs> – yeah, I do think you feel better when if Ray Thompson gets his second foul. Well, look, we've got a five-star freshman in Malik Renault who can come in and 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 compensate for that. Xavier's got two fouls. Well, we're just going to hand the keys to Jalen Trevino, sit Xavier down, hope he's hot in the second half. I mean, I don't love the auto benching, but I think you feel – I didn't love the auto benching last year because we weren't that deep. This year I feel fine about it. I, yeah. I really do. And, um, yeah. So nope. I, I think that 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 you certainly have to again. It's a game by game thing, as we've said. But I, I think uh, I'm an auto bench guy. I, yeah, I, I just have been in my coaching career. Um, now there are times when you got to go away from it when, when the game's getting out of hand. And, and then Jared made a good point last year too: is that some players need to flow. If you get two fouls in sixteen minutes and you sit, and then you come out and have a bad second half. Maybe you know your players and get that guy two or three minutes of time late in the first half and then get him right back out again. Um, but if you got guys uh, like I think Renault off the bench, and I'm a big believer in Banks that can go in there and play this year, 
uh, I think you can auto bench and get away with it as long as the player understands it uh, and, and is okay. Um, what do you think about his use of timeouts? Is there anything you would t- tweak about timeouts? I thought at times we played well coming out of timeouts. Yes. Um, but he even I admitted he was slow on the trigger for yeah, timeouts. He he even admitted at times that he either used too many too fast or 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 not too many. Your thoughts on timeout use? I think he's he was a lot of times he was a possession or too late. I, I'm I'm a big proponent. If a team's on a six zero run and you feel it slipping away, call that timeout immediately. You know, like if you did because you can tell you can yep. sense it slipping away. Just call it immediately. Not necessarily get your guys straight, although that's a big part of it, but to stop them from being hot. You know, because that six point run can easily turn into a 12 point run if you're not on top of that. So I think uh, that's that was my only complaint about his timeouts. I think that, that there's a tendency in the NBA to let guys play through things because that's what Phil Jackson always did with the Bulls and with the Lakers. Let guys play through it. They can be a, the other team can be on a 20 0 run. It's about letting those guys play through it so they learn and get better and potentially go on their own run. Uh, that doesn't work in college because kids get down on themselves. You know, kids get kids. College momentum works way more in college than it does in the pros and, and affects the game way more. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's that, you know, that's my only complaint is he took too long a lot of times. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's an interest. My, my rule in, when I was coaching is eight. And, and I told 8-0. my assistant, get in my ear anytime there's an eight oh run. Now, if you give up two or three eight oh runs, it doesn't matter if you take a timeout, you're down twenty, you know. But you know, in that first quarter, first half, if there's an eight oh run, I had people keep track of it. So I, I'm in agreement with, with you there. Uh I do think that we came out of timeouts and uh, I think he's really good. And this goes back to the offensive set philosophy. He's got a book full of sets. There yeah. there's no doubt that he has a book full of sets. Just use him, uh and, and he's really been good coming out of out of timeouts. So the last part here of our Indiana basketball on-court tweaking uh, session here is is a little bit about the rotation. It goes back into subbing. The question to you is, does the starting lineup need to fluctuate based on performance as opposed to being more consistent in what we saw last year is the same starting five consistently play? Uh, I think it needs to fluctuate based on matchups. That has always been my stance. I think that, that, that matchups are the key. Um, I performance yeah sure performance can 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 impact it but um i think that for the most part you need to look at your matchups you need to go bigger start bigger you know don't 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 plan to go bigger six minutes into the game if you're facing a bigger team start the game that way if you need to go smaller start the game that way and and the players are grown-ups they'll understand it you know and and make it clear to them that that's the reason so i would say uh, that's my stance on it, but at the same time, you know, it, it, I realize every coach has their quirk, and and they look at starting as a symbolic thing, and and that guys earn the right to start and stuff like that. But I think it helps the team win. You've got to adjust the starting lineup as you see fit, based on uh, the you know, based on the uh, you know the situation on the ground every game. I think one of Coach Woodson's best strength is his ability to communicate. He can yep. communicate his philosophy of, hey, you got to earn it in practice or earn it in games. If someone's got two or three games that are going hot, I'm probably going to make a change in the lineup. A lot of coaches don't want to change because they have to communicate then, and then you worry about a kid. Like you said, the starting is is important, and then you take that away, and now you got a, a, a head case situation there. So they just stay with the starting lineup until it has to be changed. I would like to see a little more flexibility 
because I think Coach Woodson's a great communicator and he can communicate, hey, it's matchups this time. Or, hey, it, it's, uh, you know, we got to go uh, with, with a bigger lineup at the three or a smaller lineup, uh, those types of things. Use your strength, Coach Woodson. Uh, you're a great communicator. You got a lot of guys who are willing to play. And it's about who plays the most minutes uh, and, and the most productive minutes overall rather than who starts. Communicate that to the guys. Veteran versus youth playing time. I know a lot of uh, NBA coaches, I think at least I'm not a big follower of the league, generally trust their veterans a lot more than, than their, their, their rookies. Uh, we have some talent uh, in there. Um, they have to get better defensively. Obviously, anyone coming from high school is behind defensively uh, right Strength away. Strength and defense. Yeah. yeah. But do you, would you, would we tweak a little bit more – playing time I thought Geronimo and Bates needed a little bit more throughout the early season last year and didn't get it um is that a tweak you would make yes here's here's my thing if they're on campus if you brought them to campus or you have kept them on campus you need to trust them to some degree until they prove completely untrustworthy um you know and 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 there are guys that have done that under Woodson last year even um but you need to trust the players in that locker room you brought them in for a reason. They're on the team for a reason. Use them. They need to be utilized. And last year, he rode those starters really hard. And at times, I, I still stand by it. He rode them into the ground a, a lot last year. They're not professional basketball players. They don't train their bodies the way professionals do. They do train. They train hard. They practice hard. And they don't have the hours because they got to go to school. They got limits on how much they can practice, all that. The NBA guys... They can dedicate their entire lives to being in shape. College kids can't do that. And so, yeah, I heard a lot of people say, oh, TJD played 38 minutes, but he's he's 20. He's fine. No, he hasn't worked the way that a professional would work on that. I always hear that, like, oh, they're 18. They're, they're, they'll be fine playing that much. Do you know how intense and hard on your body it is to play 39 minutes of basketball against good competition? I mean, the recovery takes two days. I don't care who you are, what kind of shape you're in. And so you cannot do that to guys. You have to trust the young guys you brought in. You brought in two top-tier freshmen in, in Huchifino and Renault. Trust them. Put them in. Play them, especially early in the season when you have a chance to. Let them get 20 minutes a game because you're going to need them late in the season they, you may only need 10 minutes out of them late in the season, but those are going to be a key 10 minutes. Let Caleb Banks play. Let CJ Gunn play. Give them an opportunity to prove themselves instead of making it so I'll give you two minutes. Show me what you can do. No, no, no. Let them run. Let them make mistakes. Let them work things out. It's the only way they're going to learn. It's the only way they're going to get better. You can get as good as you want in practice. It's not the same as a game, and you know that, Coach. I know you know that. The intensity of a game is different. And guys need to have the rope to get better, to make mistakes and learn from them, and then find a way to overcome it and get better. So, yeah, especially early season, he needs to trust the young guys and let them run. I, I think you want your team playing the best basketball in March. We did have a good run, but I think there were times when TJD got worn out in February. Yeah. And I think race's performance at the back end, that guy lays everything on the line every day and if he practices like that um he played too much um and and, and with did. with Malik and those guys uh and it's hard when you have guys you trust and and love like Race Thompson why wouldn't you want him out there 40 minutes but you got to be smart about it um yeah uh, steal minutes when you can steal minutes when you can there were times 
even in wins, there were times where they were dead tired at the end of getting circles run around them and the clock just ran out. So they right. won. I mean, that happened a couple of times. Then there were a couple of times where with two minutes left, they had the lead and lost it. I mean, that's fatigue. I mean, you don't play your best when you're tired and you'd see them collapse down the stretch. Fatigue plays a part in that. And, and so to his defense, the, the bench wasn't the roster wasn't, wasn't as, as wasn't. good. And we believe it's to be better. Obviously, we have to see it. Uh, but I do think he has guys now, he, he has the luxury of, of putting people in and not having a big drop-off, as big a drop-off. And and that would be a tweak um, that, that we do there. And then the last question is, Indiana's roster is kind of set up to have ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. And you talk about Caleb Banks is playing the three all the time and Malik's playing the four and then Duncan maybe is, is the other five. Um are we positionless? Uh, should we be more, uh, pos- you know, no positions, the wings type stuff? Um, should Hood Shafino and um, X play at the same time? Should Tamar be a third guard in there? And if that's the case, you got Geronimo, Cop, Banks all sitting who who are supposed to play the, the three. Uh, do you go real small and have, you know, a Banks at the four, a Cop at the four, what kind of things do you think? And again, it's probably matchup based. I'm going yeah. to predict your answer. But um, what kind of flexibility in the lineup do you see next year? Would you suggest uh, Indiana try to try to utilize? I think there's more flexibility than than we think. I do think Banks can do three four. I do think that Cop can play the four at times uh, in the smaller lineup. Maybe you get TJD in and you want to put shooters around him. You put Cop at the four. And, and spread the floor for TJD. Um, I do think that Reyes can play four or five. I think he can guard three through five. Um, Bates can play one through three, I think. Uh, Geronimo can probably play three through five. I know he's too small to be a five, but, I mean, if you're doing a five, you know, a running five there, you know, he's got the ability defensively with his athleticism to to guard a five for two minutes if you're stealing minutes uh, and go real small. So I, I do think there is some positional – you know, variety there. Like obviously X is playing the one there's no, you know, he's not really right. a shooting guard. He'll, he'll play the one TJD, probably a straight five uh, race again, four or five. Duncan is a straight five. Um, but I think that there are some guys, I think, you know, Malik Renault is four or five um, potentially, you know, they're talking about maybe the three with him. I don't see it, uh, but I think he'd be a four who could maybe stretch the floor a little bit. Um, but Huchavino can play one through three you know, and, and can guard one through three, most importantly. Um, so I do think there's some positional, you know, variety there where you've got three guards on the, on the floor and they can all kind of just be interchangeable for the most part. Cause if Hood Shafino's on, on the floor, he could always bring the ball up and you could have X coming off of screens on the, on the wing to maybe get him some driving lanes or, or, or a shot. So I do think there is some positional variety. You're right. It kind of lines up when you just put the depth chart out there. It kind of lines up like everybody's in a box, but I do think there's some variety there. I think the key uh, decision, Ryan, for coach is going to be, what do you do at the three? You know, Miller Cops, the returning yeah. starter. Geronimo wants to play the three. You got uh, Trey Galloway. Uh, you know, CJ Gunn at 6'6 six, six can go down there. Tamar can go down there. Uh, you got Caleb Banks, who's only right now playing the three is it'll be interesting to see who plays that three and what kind of minutes get shared at that spot. Do any of those shooting guards uh, go down and play the three? And again, it's probably matchup dependent zone, you know, zone, you need three perimeters. And I think the key is can Geronimo, Geronimo make the transition to more of a wing uh, dribble is his ball handling skills up to par. 
Um, but boy, that's a position. All three of those guys have some question marks that are in that box at the three. You know, Miller Cop's supposed to be a good three-point shooter. He fought real hard through a foot injury last year. Um, is he better starting coming off the bench? That's a major decision. Uh, Geronimo's an athlete, but he only shot like 18, 19 percent or something real low in the 20s maybe from three plus his handle is he's got a lot of improvement in order to be a big 10 three and then banks is a freshman so so that that's going to be the the situation which i think is is going to be uh the toughest but um that was a good uh good segment um I think we, if we I made, do say so myself, I think that was really on. I think coach needs to watch, watch this and, you know, send us a, you know, some, some coupons for a restaurant or something after this fruit show basket. But, I'll take a fruit basket. Yeah, exactly. Sign picture something, you know, yeah. for all these suggestions that we made. So, okay. Coming up next on assembly call, we'll answer your questions uh, that were submitted by our community members. Um, so stick with us here on the assembly call. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips, and it's now time uh, for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via, via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. That's assemblycall.com backslash community. Um, we didn't have a, a mediocre, a dumb, or a random and ridiculous question this week. That's all right. But we do have a, um, a three or four really good questions. Um, J.D. DeFreeze says, um, what news do you look for about the team in the summer? Is no news good news? Is there anything you could read here that would change your opinion on next year's team in July or August? No news is great news. The only news you want to hear is stuff coming out of workouts and that everybody's healthy. And, you know, not getting tickets, uh, driving or uh, otherwise um, or arrested. I mean, those I mean, for real, those are those are the things you want to hear. You just want to hear about the workouts, that everybody is having a good time, that everybody is locked in. You want to hear about the freshman development, all of that. So, yeah, no news. No news is good news. But you do want to hear about what's going on you know, behind the scenes and, and how they're doing. 
I, we said earlier when, when you had the media availability, you can just get a feel for these guys uh, personally a little bit. Everyone's going to say the right things in the summer. Uh, I've never heard a coach come out in the fall at their media day saying we had a, we had a horrible summer. You know, oh, we had a great summer. We like our team, those types of things. So I don't, I don't look for much um, to, to change my mind about the team until you get to see them a little bit. But I did like the freshmen. Just there, I think you can gather they're hard workers, or they at least been trained to say stuff that they've been hard workers, which is which is a, a pleasure. There, go ahead. One of my favorite uh, times a coach was really real was uh, I was at the Maui Invitational covering it, and it was Michigan State. UConn and a couple other big teams were there, but I remember this made Izzo just guffaw with laughter was Jim Calhoun of UConn. They asked him, you know, what do you think about this year? What do you think about your team? You know, whatever. He's like, I'm, I'm just still trying to learn everybody's name. And, and it, you know, because they had a very young team that year, they also had a guy named Kemble Walker. And that was the year they won the Maui Invitational. Kemble Walker scored like 35 points in back-to-back games to win it. And then they went on to win the national title that year. But uh, in November, he was still trying to learn everybody's name. So, um, yeah, you're right. That was the most honest I'd ever heard a coach because they will just, even if they're in a situation like that, they will just talk around it and sort of be like, oh, you know, this is going well and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, that, that's the most real I've ever heard a coach be about his team at that point. And, and, you know, everyone knows I love the workout videos because if you can jump up and touch, you know, a certain height or whatever, every school's putting out those videos. No one puts out videos when, when you shoot 40%, you don't see the 60% missed threes uh, on, on a workout yeah. video or, or a summer video or a AAU video. So everybody's this, ready to win a championship with their workout videos. But, but I will, I will say the things that you can is the schedule. You know, uh, I use poise now to get to the tournament because they have a better non-conference schedule, even with some of the cupcakes they have. We want to see the Big Ten schedule so you can kind of get a flavor of what what month's going to be tough. Uh, do they have a chance at the back end of having a, an easier schedule? Those things you can learn. But as far as who plays and what, um, you hear things through the grapevine, but not much. Um, Glenn, uh, uh, Lighty asks, are there any updates regarding the legal issue with X? I know he's in the legal system. They've had um, some working, whatever. They've done some things. We don't have an answer yet on what the court is going to do or yet what Coach Woodson is going to do. Have you heard anything, Ryan? Nope. We will hear when we hear. I'm not I'm not holding my breath on that one. Um, next is from uh, Jim Tom Hoosier. Um, he always asks some good questions. And we, and we could just run through this real quick. Uh, what kind of impact do you think each of the freshmen will have this year? Um, who gets major minutes? We'll just put it that way. In your mind, who gets major minutes out of the the four guys. In, I think Jalen Huchifino, Jalen Huchifino starts. I think Malik Renault is one of the first guys off the bench to start the season. And I think Caleb Banks will get, will make an impact on that second unit. That's my guess. CJ Gunn, I think probably could. I just think it's too deep a team. And I think that there's, there's, there's a chance he plays a little early and then maybe red shirts and, and comes in next year as a, a top bench guy. Yeah, I, I, I will agree with you on that. I think the two guys from Mount Verde have a huge impact this year, whether they start or not. They're, they're going to get 20-plus minutes a game or close to that uh, by the end of the season at least, maybe not uh, as many. Uh, I would like to see Hood Shafino start just from what, what little we know. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts off the bench in a Rob Fennessy role but gets major minutes uh, and, and is there at closing time. Uh, that wouldn't shock me, uh, with coach Woodson's wanting to play veterans type, uh, of situation. 
I really think uh, uh, Caleb Banks is going to push for playing time, and eventually I, I see him by late December, early January, getting some minutes, major, major minutes, if not pushing to start. Um, that's just a good guess. Uh, and I think C.J. Gunn has a chance at, at his level, if he can pick up defensively, uh, of getting some spot minutes based on what games. If it's a, a game where you're playing zone, something like that, need need down seven, eight, late, need some scoring, some spot minutes. But I think they'll all have impact, but the two guys from Montverde will have the major uh, impact. And then the la- and finally, Chris Cordy asked this. It's It's been a narrative for a while that IU has lagged behind on facilities. I guess it may be more in football, but now – uh, but now, even for basketball, it sounds like they are middle of the conference. What do others have that IU doesn't have, and how can IU be best in class for basketball? You got to spend the money. That's all it is, is money spent. And you constantly have to be doing I mean, after five years, your basketball facility is outdated compared to everybody else because it's an arms race. And so what do they have? I mean, you know sofas they have video games they have waterfalls in the in the in the in the 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 practice facilities and it's you know i mean go bigger and better yeah go watch a video of oregon's football practice facility just watch it they rip that thing down and rebuild it like every seven years i mean it's nike money so but look at alabama look at clemson look at georgia you want to be top tier and those are the football programs but still it's the same for basketball in an arms race and you've got Cook Hall needs to be redone every seven years or so, gutted inside and out. The locker rooms need to be redone. They were recently redone, uh, I think, two years ago. But guess what? In two more yeah. years, they're probably going to have to redo it again. I mean, if you want to be competing with the best, you have to spend the money like the best. And quite frankly, that may mean building a new arena because there's only so much you can do with Assembly Hall. I, I'm just uh, – Stating a fact here, folks, at some point, that place is going to be very hard to gut and rebuild. I mean, you can put the the sheen on it like they did with the, the uh, with the Simon Scott money, but to gut it and redo it is going to be incredibly difficult because of the way the architecture is, because of the way it's laid out, all of that stuff. Eventually, they're going to have to replace it. And I think people just need to get with that idea. It's 50 something, or it, it's almost 50 years old, like- it's gonna it's gonna go at some point. We Indiana has what everyone else has. It's just to what you know, what size and how many, and 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 what are the peripheral things that are added in uh, that you can. The football uh, stadium's gone through two or three locker room renovations. Uh, Indiana's football program shares that huge locker room on, on the north end zone. Most yeah. facilities have their own. In fact, mm-hmm. I went down and got a tour of the Mississippi State baseball facilities. There, they were getting set to open up their own weight room just for baseball. So you hear a lot about every sport needs their own this and their own this. And um, so that that's without really doing a, a big research on, on what the facilities are. A lot of people have the same thing. They have player lounges, they have, you know, food spots, they have weight rooms, they have cold tubs, all that. It's just what size, how big is spread out, how comfortable it is. And the brand new, uh, you know, whether you have a Look. phone charger built into your uh, locker room, or, you know, th- those PlayStations types of everywhere. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, the thing is that's where kids are going to spend the most amount of their time, you know, w- w- related to basketball is in, and they want to make it like a, uh, a hangout, like a place to hang out and spend time. And therefore you make it really nice. I mean, you know, and, and so. And cook hall was good when it was built in what? 2011, yeah. 2012. Yeah. It, it had, and by the way, until that. that 
the crazy thing is that until then, Indiana did not have a dedicated basketball facility. Their dedicated no. basketball facility was Assembly Hall. I no. mean, that was their practice facility and everything else. And so, you know, Indiana has always been behind the curve on this. And I realize it costs money. But if you're getting that new Big Ten TV deal money that's coming, you're going to blow up the Big Ten and completely change it. You might as well spend the money. So it's coming. Yep. All right, everybody. That's going to do it um, for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for this live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RiggsDesign.com for designing our logos. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you uh, next week. Uh, Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Missed audio drop there. Didn't have one ready. So they got the Tonsoni one. Hey, really good show today. I think it's it's good for uh, July. Everybody, I just want you to know my window is open at my new-ish apartment now. And somebody is um, smoking something just below me, and it is just hitting my nostrils. So (laughs) you need to get some Cheetos. Yeah, pretty much. It is and, a. And, it is going to be a wild Thursday at the Phillips household. Yeah, and sign off. <laughs> oh, hey Ryan, in any advice? I'm going to see Rod Stewart tomorrow. The dude's oh. 77 years old. Cheap Trick and Rod Stewart. Dude, I've seen Cheap Trick live before. It's a fun show. I mean, well, it was. This was also like 15 yeah. years ago. There were uh, $25 tickets sold in May, and I started grabbing up these concerts. Then all of a sudden I looked, and Rod Stewart was 77. So I don't know what to what to expect, but going to be a fun Friday night. A lot of older ladies, Coach. You're going to see a lot of older ladies. I, I might be the youngest trick. one in the crowd for a change. I saw a cheap trick open for Stone Temple Pilots in 1997, and I loved every minute of it. It was great. Going to be a good time, so... All right. All right. Joel says, does that concert start at 2 p.m.? Probably. It would make sense. <laughs> it yeah. would be make better sure everybody for can get off the road before rush hour. Again. Exactly. All right, everyone. Have a, have a good week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, thanks for Thanks for being here. Later, coach. See you, Ryan.